Hello and welcome to another edition of the 16-Ounce Canvas, the Art of Fair Fear podcast. My name is AJ Kearns and I'm your host here each and every week as we do our part to introduce you to the artists and designers from around the world who help bring some of your favorite beers and breweries to life. And this week, folks, is no different. It is a first for us. We are dipping our toes in the lovely state of Rhode Island. We are joined by designer Frank Gaspar. He does the work for Buttonwoods Brewery. And so it's really nice we can cross that one off the list. We're going for all the continents, all the countries, all the states. We just get bigger and bigger each week, and we love it. We say bigger and bigger in the tiny state in our union. It's a wonderful place. If you not get a chance to visit there, please do so. We're hoping we'll be getting up there at the end of the month for some fish, part of a, kind of an island tour. They do Rhode Island and Long Island, which is a nod back to, I believe it was April of 1998 for the uh, best fish shows back-to-back in uh, history. In case you were scoring along at home, uh, the debut of some really good tunes there. And uh, I put April 2nd up there because I was there and there was a killer tube to open the show. But we're not listening to Fish right now. We're listening to a little metal, getting a little hard for you. That's what we like to do. We like to customize it, meet the uh, artist's faves. And so that's what we got here for you. So I think you're really going to enjoy this episode. It's, uh, it goes off on some weird tangents. And I apologize for that as I do steer this ship. And uh, it was just a good opportunity to learn about Frank, his story, how he, you know, ended up being a Jersey boy in Rhode Island, you know, his uh, passion for design, it, even some uh, questions about his uh, day job and his hustle there, you know, which um, gets into email marketing. We'll talk about Francesicon and a bunch of other wild and adventurous things for you. But uh, do him a favor, follow along. Uh, Follow along on the IG, Frank Gaspar. Frank, like the name, Gaspar, spells it just as it sounds. And you can also follow along with uh, Button Woods Craft Brewing uh, or uh, go to their website. But it is uh, Button Woods Craft Brewing is probably one of the longer names. Uh, we thought that Ryan Writes on Things was the longest, but um, this might take the cake for one of the longest uh, Instagram handles we've uh, we've seen. So. No judgment there. I'm excited to try their beers and uh, take it to uh, the next level. But um, this is episode 135, so that is just amazing. This week, when we did our from the archive, we reached out and uh, you know dove back in. Episode 35. It was not by design that we were doing it, but Carl Grandin from Omnipolio of episode 35, and to realize that we're 100 episodes later. Is fucking crazy. So, you know, we're really excited. People have really been digging on the From the Archive because we're getting to a point where we have so many different episodes. We're, we're really having the opportunity to turn folks on to things we do. The most common question or kind of comment we get from folks when we meet them in, in person is, oh, have you interviewed this person, interviewed that person? And with, with great pride, I'd say we hit about 70 to 80% of the time. So that's been really cool. Speaking of From the Archive and just some of our, you know, past guests, you know, this past week we were in Chicago, so we had a great opportunity to go to uh, Microphone, Microphone Brewing, however you want to say that. They had a Pure Project, which we've talked about before. They're from San Diego, uh, Tab Takeover. So uh, we're able to check that out briefly. It's uh, Fobab there. It's, uh, I think it's Festival of Barrel-Aged Beers, uh, which takes place this weekend and is supposed to be legendary. But I uh, went there, and then um, where we recorded our episode with Melissa Sue Stanley and Max Baer, the, the new couple there, 
uh, Beer Miscuous. Uh, we reached out to them, and we mentioned it for the last couple of weeks. We reached out to them to try and organize kind of a little pop-up thing. We've uh, been getting a lot of love from the, the crew out in the Midwest, so we organized a, a drink and draw, and it was really great. You know, Hugo came out there, uh, Project Villain. We saw Phineas Jones, uh, Nikki with uh, Off Color, Max and Melissa, and a few other folks showed up there. We probably had, you know, over a dozen folks uh, who were drawing and sketching, and it was really just, it was really cool to see. I learned a few cool tricks on Illustrator. Uh, Hugo helped me to uh, to draw, quote unquote, or use the pen tool, draw a little uh, Grateful Dead uh, bolt there, you know, 13 pointer. Uh, so we got to keep it, you know, kind of keep it real. I'm um, just to see everybody with their, you know, their different tools and their processes in person and kind of seeing, you know, as the night progressed to see the different sketches and where things are going, how they're going to be used on different projects. It was really inspiring. It, it was a little intimidating. I had my MacBook there and, um, you know, but it was, uh, you know, everybody, we, uh, we had a, we had a great time and it was just really good to be able to kind of see everybody in person because we're really just, uh, Really lucky all the cool folks that were able to, to meet and, uh, you know, do things in, in person. So we did have our first shot of Malort, which is supposed to be a Chicago tradition. It was not very tasty, but, um, you know, they say it gets better as, as it goes along. So uh, we look forward to the opportunity to keep doing them because that will mean we're in Chicago surrounded by great people and just having a good old time. So I want to thank Bermiscuous for uh, hosting our first pop-up there. We're uh, hopefully going to be moving forward and trying to, find a venue for you know the art of craft beer midwest edition but that's just really in the early early preliminary stages for you so let's get into it this is a good episode we're uh, already talking too much frank gaspar episode 135 that also is not a square uh, excuse me a prime number it is divisible by many things um you know 15 and 9 9 times 15 you get 135 that's a good one you can divide it by uh, three and you get 45 and so there's a few things you know five and you get 27 and yes in case you're wondering i am a nerd and i am proud of it y'all so here we go without further ado here is frank gaspar rhode island debut right here 16 ounce canvas the art of craft beer podcast enjoy hello and welcome to another edition of the 16 ounce canvas the Art of Craft Beer podcast. Very excited to have with us today, crossing off a new milestone for us, our first artist designer checking in from Rhode Island. Uh, this is uh, Frank Gaspar and uh, checking in from Pawtuxet Village, Rhode Island, so right outside of uh, Providence. So thanks so much for uh, joining us, Frank, and you know being flexible. AJ, thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. Yeah, no problem. It was uh, it was uh, obvious. It was a good. It was an easy choice for us. We uh, came to learn of uh, Frank through his work with uh, Buttonwoods Craft Brewing uh, there in Rhode Island. You can follow along with them on Instagram, Buttonwoods Craft Brewing. It is a mouthful. We'll, we will be talking to them about that. No, no offense. That's in buttonwoodsbrewery.com. So um, and you can follow along with Frank's uh, work with uh, fgaspar.work or uh, some of his stuff, which is uh, inter- interspersed with his personal life. So you can now be creepily follow along with Frank and his life at Frank Gaspar on Instagram as well. So uh, all the plugs are out there, Frank. And, uh, you know, again, thanks. Thanks so much for joining us. You have the, you're responsible for the state of Rhode Island. So you, you're the first. So the bar will be set. Yeah, that's high. a nice, uh, that's a nice weight on my shoulders. Thanks, Andrew. That's <laughs> right. Yeah. We were going through the cities and locations and it was, you know, he said it was, he lives in one near, near the, one of the big cities, which is kind of just a, it's like a punchline. You know, Rhode Island is the small state. You know, in the U.S., so it's just kind of uh, it's kind of funny to to think that. But uh, 
I've uh, I've had nothing but good times at Rhode Island. I think I've only hit a handful of times uh, I've been there, but uh, in the summer got some nice cohogs and uh, you know got got back in the day you know pre fam got definitely had a few uh, ruckus uh, weekends up in Rhode Island, so it was always a good time. <laughs> Yeah, man, can't go can't go wrong. We have uh, Newport. You know, you have all the cool still sections. Mm-hmm. Actually, went down to to school down there, um, and then moved up to Providence. So, like you said, close to the big city. Um, short after that, so it's basically have covered the entire state. But it's uh, I love it every single day. It's an it's an awesome place to live. Yeah, I definitely uh, one of one of the more memorable or, or not as memorable uh, after the weekend was uh, a URI weekend when I was in college, and it was a uh, it was a it was a wild time. So we. Uh, I think I had a good time. It was, it was, it was, it was crazy. <laughs> uh, so Frank, tell us your story. How did you, uh, you know, how did you kind of uh, find your, your calling with, with design and, you know, how did a Jersey boy end up in Rhode Island? You know, kind of, uh, you know, take us down memory lane a little bit. Yeah, sure. So, um, I mean, as, as far as, as far back as I can remember, I mean, as a kid, I've been obsessed with music, absolutely obsessed. And, one of the things that draw me to um, to music was actually like album covers. Um, so like, like I remember going into like my buddy and I would actually go into Best Buy like every Tuesday, new release Tuesday. Um, I I go into the metal hardcore section and we just look at all the records and and I and I would definitely pick up albums based on the way they look. Um, and then and again like. I just love the experience of listening to the album and then, you know, also interacting with the artwork. Um, so from there, I kind of just, you know, my, my infatuation with design kind of grew. Um, didn't really touch much of it in high school. Um, I actually took a lot of fine art classes, but I'm definitely not the fine artist. Um, and I definitely could talk about this later, the difference between artist and design. Cause um, I'm nowhere claiming to be an artist, but um after high school, we kind of, uh, I, I kind of said, you know what, let me, uh, let me, let me give design a shot. So went to school in Newport, Rhode Island, Salve Virginia University. Um, and there was a, there was a concentration there. So graphic design, um, studio art. Unfortunately, a lot of the classes were very fine art focused. Um, but I had some awesome professors that were, you know, really, really into kind of introducing us to marketing and advertising and typography and all the elements that kind of build um, the framework for um, superior design. Um, so it was, I mean, it was a trip from there. It just, it just grew. Um, had a few internships throughout college. And then luckily, I mean, twist of, twist of motivation, twist of luck. I was able to land a gig um, before even graduating. So that was, that was awesome. Um, um, that definitely took the weight, the weight off my mom's shoulders for a little bit. Um, and then from that point on, I basically have been living in Rhode Island, um, moved up here after college. And then after the gig, um, my first gig out of college, I eventually moved up to more of a corporate nine to five gig, which I've been at for about seven years. So, um, and then Buttonwoods and some freelance projects have picked up and it's been been a, it's been a ride ever since it's been awesome uh, yeah the the side hustle and the grind is uh it's yeah it's nice it's nice to kind of have that shared you know passion with folks because i think it's uh you know it's really important you know obviously i think a lot of us would love to be doing this full time but uh you know the realities of uh 
of bills and just kind of eating, you know, the whole electricity thing and so what have you. So it's kind of hundred percent, but it's, you know, I think it's important because I mean, I think if there's, if you keep grinding that, I think there will be opportunities and whatever those are, I think, um, you know, that's the fulfillment is definitely, you know, there it's just relative to the individual, which I, which is important. Definitely. So, so what, so, so metal music, you know, Best Buy, that's kind of funny. I remember going to Tower Records. That was the spot for us in Philly. And like, you'd go there and like, you know, CDs were like 20 bucks. You'd save up to get like one, you know, one record and you know, what have you, or, or get the mixtape. <clears throat> I mean, actually, yeah, probably when I first started, cause I'm old, there was tapes. And so I do, I do love being able to listen to any album at any point in time on my phone within seconds, but I do kind of miss the. You know, the excitement of uh, trying to get through that huge plastic casing and then that awful rap, and yeah, know, exactly. And then the, the liner notes and what have you. You know, one of my probably one of my the coolest thing I ever one of the coolest things I ever did. Um, you know, it was I designed an album cover for the band I managed, and so to like have that tangible thing was really cool. Oh, it's awesome. Yeah, yeah. I, I actually to that point, I mean, you know, there was obviously streaming for a long time now. Um, Spotify and what have you, and I, I recently just got into vinyl, so that has like kind of reignited the that whole experience-based listening, which has been awesome. And I mean, I, I've never had vinyl before, um, and now just going through like like you said, the liner notes and everything, and and all the content within that is just it, again, it's just reigniting that that uh, that experience that kind of drew me into design in the first place. Yeah, I, I I do remember I had a neighbor when I was growing up, and he was older than me. And when we moved like to our the our home where my parents, uh, you know, where we kind of all faced my mom my mom's house till to this day, and it was an older guy next door, not like creepy like free candy older guy. Like he was a f- yeah. few, few years older than me, which and you know we were in this, like kind of a quiet neighborhood, and I remember listening to you know, like Simon and Garfunkel, like he had vinyl and a few other ones, and. I remember having the Michael Jackson uh, thriller on vinyl and a few others. And so it was just, yeah, we had a record player at home. You know, we listened to different stuff. So it was always, it was always something I remember. You know, I still have a bunch. My mom gave me some of her old 45s. Um, but just, yeah, we don't have, we don't have the right setup now, but I still do collect. And I, you know, I love Record Store Day. And, you know, they're saying that the, I think vinyl outsold CDs last year or it's wow. this, or this one of these years. Yeah. Cause we yeah we got a new car didn't have a CD player which was crazy right you know like it's just so it's just insane when you think about it. it is, yeah, it's nuts, and it's I mean it's it's even cool seeing like a lot of these uh, you know bands that have been out for you know less than a year and their and their debut EP is is coming out on like a seven inch or or you know a full vinyl release it's 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 kind of pretty pretty cool. Yeah, the the, the market's there. I mean, it's definitely. It's definitely like tiptoeing in a little bit of the you know the hipster thing and what have you, but it definitely it's worked, yeah. it's worked out. You know that there people are willing to do it, and like every year, you know all the there's a lot of re-releases that come out, and then bands will put out special, almost like that are like singles. You know, like you know front A, right. a, a and B sides for for record store day. So it's uh, it gets a little crazy. You know, some of these you can't they they sell out pretty quickly. So. I know I have a few old Grateful Dead ones and a few old Beatles, you know, original vinyls. They're not in like mint condition, but it's just cool. Right. I feel when you listen to vinyl, it's more of a, it's a commitment. Like you're just kind of like sitting down and, you know, kind of uh, slowing it up a little bit, which is, which is always a good time. Exactly. It's just awesome just being in the moment and just taking the tunes. Yeah. So, all right. So what do you, 
we'll get to the music later on. But what do you? What, what, you said yeah. you just got into vinyl. What do you? What, what did you? What have you picked out recently? Are you still a metalhead? I don't like. Is that still, yeah? Yeah. So metalhead vinyl. Yeah. So yeah. So I had to. So so like I said, going, when I was younger, I spent a little too much money at Best Buy, and right now I have probably two bookcases full of CDs. What I you know. What, what am I gonna do with those now? Um, everything's on Spotify, right? So like I had to go into it knowing that I had to be a little smart about my purchases instead of like, you know, rebuying my entire collection and everything. So um, I buy a lot of, you know, like if I, if I go to a show and I see a band live, um, I'm going to support the band by picking up um, an album. I mean, I think, I think nowadays, you know, the music industry, it's, it's tough for them to make a living. I think merch is one of the main things that they actually um, do get some, um, profit from so I definitely like to support the band through that way um, and then just records I could listen to non-stop so um, basically a lot of my collection now is a lot of hardcore um, some metal and then I also have some weird things for night like I I also love reggae if I'm if I'm like trying to chill out a little bit um, and uh, we's not legal in Rhode Island yeah. right we's not legal in Rhode Island right no so let's, not. Yeah. So he's like, we'll, we'll just call it listening to reggae then. We'll go with that. Yeah. <laughs> we'd like to listen to some reggae. We are we listen to a lot of reggae around here at the Sixty Nines campus. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, but uh, but yeah, um, yeah. We got uh, I got engaged and um, went for a honeymoon to Jamaica. So we uh, nice. we, we love the reggae. Yeah, it's a, it's. I mean, it's it's it's, it's funny because it's almost like polar opposites. You know, people always like assume metal and hardcore although you know primarily is there's some aggression there and then reggae is just all about positivity and good vibes so I, I'm, I'm literally polar opposites when i'm uh when i'm you know when i'm picking an album i want to listen to um whether it's just like driving working working out all stuff so it's always it's always fun to kind of play around in that spectrum yeah yeah so before you kind of uh Hint, hinted like the fact that you had some classes that were more fine art and you kind of went down to design. How did you, how, how did that, how was that for you? Did you know pretty early on that kind of uh, fine art wasn't, you know, wasn't for you and that you were, but you still wanted to be creative. How did you kind of uh, learn that? Uh, I guess that lesson. Uh, drawing one. <laughs> <laughs> Brutal. Um, I mean, and it's it crazy with my major, again, it was a, it was a studio art with the concentration graphic design. So with my major, I actually had to take three drawing classes. So it was, you know, still life is your drawing one, learning my technique, drawing two is actually like live figure drawing. And then drawing three is almost like a thesis um, drawing class. So those, those were three brutal semesters. Um, but I found myself really liking the, the graphic design classes, just, being able to be creative um, in a in a different medium, um, and the other thing I liked was it, was it was very instant. Which I mean, it sounds a little ridiculous, but um, you know, if I if I mess up, undo. Um, if I want to change the color, I change the color. I don't have to pull out another canvas and kind of you know start drawing again or anything like that. So the immediate satisfaction is what drew me. Um, and then yeah, and just and just as it as it kind of went on, just the digital format, I felt more comfortable in that. And uh, and then I kind of like uh, started to get really interested in like the marketing side and advertising. Um, 
So how can I help my friends? How can I help my family amplify their business, their side hustle? Oh, hey, can you make us a website? Oh, hey, can you make us a logo? And I, I, you know, I, I love that aspect of it. Yeah, I do. I do think that's. Yeah, you probably got help for a lot of websites back in the day for your friends, especially given the the time period. But yeah, I think that uh, that's pretty impressive that you kind of went through it and realized. You, know, you had to deal those fine art classes, and you know, and still, and still came out on the other side and, and finished up because, uh, like you said, from from drawing one, or you you knew that wasn't that wasn't you, but you still went for it. So I, I applaud you there. Yeah, I mean, and 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 I think it's it's funny too because when I look back on it, like I I remember being younger in elementary school and like organizing information and data has has always been like a you know like I I always enjoyed that aspect to it as as ridiculous as that sounds, but, you know, just the organization, the, the, you know, building kind of um, information systems and stuff like that, even like a, you know, like I said, a little sixth grade diagram of project or whatever, whatever. Um, and then through those fine art classes, I knew that I had the eye or some, some sort of sense of like deep in creativity, but it was, yeah, I, I, I definitely couldn't see myself drawing or painting. It's important to know we you know, know our strengths to be self aware. Doesn't always it's not always it doesn't always happen, but it definitely I feel probably you learn some techniques and processes oh, yeah. that you uh, you're probably still using today. Definitely. So we we go to we go to f uh, f Gaspar and dot uh, work. We see you know see what you're working on. You know, what is your what are the, what are the tools of the trade? What's your what's your mediums? What are you what are you working in, Frank, to uh, kind of bring things, um, bring things to life? Yeah, so pri- primarily Photoshop and um, a lot of InDesign, um, Illustrator. I'm not, I'm not too, I'm not too comfortable with. I could, I could kind of, you know, I could work in all those um, the Adobe platforms, but I'm definitely the most comfortable with um, Photoshop and, and InDesign. So is that is without getting in, into your 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 day to day? Are you doing creative stuff during the day as well, or what's your What's your kind of uh, your the the bill paying thing? Yeah, so so the the nine to five, um, it's uh, it it is a it is a creative position. Um, a lot of email marketing, which has been kind of a kind of sounds a little ridiculous, but is definitely a passion of mine. Um, just just infusing you know messages through a different medium, um, filtering that data, um, using that data, analyzing that data. Um, and then also just straight, straight to d- design projects as well. Um, digital, um, print campaigns, um, ideation of of massive campaigns that run kind of all mediums, um, countrywide, you know, local markets. So it's yeah, it's a it's a creative position. Um, you know, as I mentioned, it's a it's a pretty massive corporation. So I'm kind of tied to. A certain guidelines, certain colors, certain type. Um, so, the, again, the side hustle is, is where I go. You know, I get, get to have a little fun and kind of uh, go beyond those guidelines. Be free, yeah. Let it let it be free, be Frank. Free. <laughs> Not weird question, but you're saying email marketing. What what is a good uh, open rate? Who? I mean, I mean, we could be. I'd say for for I've seen some that are up in almost like the high thirties. Um, yeah, and and that was you know, and we take pride in that. You know, those are definitely pieces that, um, 
we kind of talk about amongst our team, but um, I'd say like, I think like 16, 16% is, is, is kind of our average. Um, and again, like I've only worked on email marketing in this, this massive company. So it, it's kind of hard to tell, you know, the scale, um, but you know, um, another company or another individual might have. 30% is crazy. Cause my, my day job is in market research. And so sometimes we get uh, different lists and insights and, I mean, there's like a thousand factors and this is going to sound nerdy folks, but you, obviously you have, you know, uh, you know, whether it's blind. So people have a list and they want you. And so they want to send it to folks, but then they don't say who it's from. Yeah. Those, right. you know, obviously, you know, those are, you know, single digits, but you know, sometimes with good, you know, branding the right, you know, the right email address. And then I on the a board for another organization and I do all the, the marketing I've, and we've gotten, I've gotten it up to about, 19 20 percent consistently and i feel pretty there good go. about that so i'm pretty happy about that yeah so it's awesome it, it, it's it, it's kind of funny because a lot of people think of like email as almost like a dying kind of medium or communication but uh i was i was just at an email marketing conference um last weekend or a couple weekends ago and um the fact that they had was e- the emails averaged 44 to 1 in in roi which you know, it's it's a simple fact, but that kind of gets people like, oh my god, email is actually still relevant. Yeah, it's it's. I mean, obviously, if you're not be a sucker for you know the prince of uh, you know of Ethiopia wants to you know transfer money to you and you fall for that type of stuff. But <laughs> but even that even that in a way really shows you the power of email because yeah, it just kind of spray and pray. You know, you just got to get one one sucker to to fall for it. Um, and, you know, and, and now there's a lot of good programs out there that, you know, obviously early days of your email, you subscribe to a ton of, you know, newsletters and lists, but now you can, now even those can be, uh, digested, um, not like swallowed, like in a digest where you can see everybody for the, for the day. So, yeah, I think it's, I think it's wonderful. It's one area of, of this project we haven't really, you know, utilized. Um, you know, we do have a few, uh, lists that we, you know, for press and others, that we use for like if people buy things or they go to our events, then we have those, but we haven't, we haven't really done much with it. The new Squarespace has a, a email kind of list uh, marketing feature. So I think we'll, okay. we'll be playing with that and I'll definitely, uh, I'll get some of your, uh, your knowledge yeah. that you shared there. It's yeah. It's, Cause it's really, it's obviously there's different demographics that are stronger emails. Right. And I think is it, is the uni- universal thought that the 18 to kind of, uh, 24 30 year old isn't using email like they once did is i mean is that is that that's is that fact is that is that a, a, yeah. a myth uh i mean i'd say it's i mean our demographic at, at work definitely skews a little older um but we do try to cater to um you know millennials and 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 other generations but uh i'd say we like we, we still have successful metrics and and even at the conference I was at, a lot of those companies are targeting just the younger demographics. So um, I think we're just trying to kind of teach the younger generation the actual, the actual value of this potential, you know, medium. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And I, I recently just got into the Adobe suite and I is kind of, I feel most comfortable in Photoshop, but InDesign is the, is really, that, that one's really hard for me because it doesn't, I, I'm just maybe not clicking right. It just, Things aren't dragging and sitting where they should on top of stuff, and then having things linked. I don't get that. Yeah, it's, that's been the hardest one so far for me. Um, and I mean, I wouldn't say I'm comfortable in Illustrator, but I've I've gotten a little better hang of that one. Um, so yeah, it's kind of right. interesting how how everyone approaches these differently. 
Oh yeah, totally. So yeah, I, I don't. Yeah, we'll, we'll we'll loop back offline, and you can give me some uh, InDesign knowledge because I keep dragging different things, and they go underneath something, and they have a you know they're not highlighted, and it goes off the screen. Yeah, I don't. It's it, I have uh, it, the toilet. Yeah, it's fucking tough, man. All these it's <laughs> it's, it's amazing. I mean, yeah, that's just what it comes down to. It's fucking tough. So when you see all these folks, folks who are doing their thing, and you know, you see, even the ones who do some maybe things like screen shares, I will say YouTube has been amazing, but. Um, it's just really impressive. Not, not only they did do it, but just with the ease and speed that people have, it always, oh, yeah. it always impresses me. I mean, I mean, honestly, the way I got so familiar with it, I mean, I was thrown into it in college, right? Like that was, that was a, a software we primarily used. A lot of my classes were, were based. Um, so we, we, we kind of dove right in there. And my, my instructor for those four years was, um, comes from like a publication background. So, um, we were in InDesign every single day. Um, and then when I started doing more digital work for, you know, for my career, I actually almost had to like relearn Photoshop. Um, so yeah, I totally get it. It's, it, I definitely understand it's YouTube, like you said, best tool out there. Love it. Yeah. I learned some shit today. That I was like, really? That was it? Like you, that's the other thing too. Yeah. Like you think that it's like this amazing, like knowledge or they're doing, they must have these cool pens and a lot of it's just knowing the tool. I mean, I, I definitely, I'm definitely hacky with Photoshop. Like I can get shit done, but I definitely know that it's not probably like the most optimal way of, of doing it, you know, but um, we'll, we'll get there. Dude, if it looks good, I mean, right, if yeah, it looks good, that's all that matters. I, 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 my files, uh, oof, absolute disaster. I, that's exactly how I explain my, my, uh, my work to hacky, but if it looks good at the end, hey, that's all that matters, right? Right, because no one knows you. You know, you flatten it or whatever. You merge all the layers together. And no one knows. You know, they're they're, they're none the wiser. Um, exactly. It's a story, and if, I apologize if you've heard this before. Not you, just like people listening. I mean, I when back to the band thing. You know, we I got to do the the album cover, and I made it. We all agreed we loved it. The label liked it. And then they asked me for these like different all these file types and these higher deep you know DPI and all this for print and blah 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 blah, and I just had this like flat JPEG or GIF file and I was <laughs> like that's and so we tried to recreate it for like a week and we couldn't get it exactly the same and so they did like a test print and thankfully because liner notes on a CD weren't that huge you know it worked out but it was definitely uh, that that's a story that I. I, re I realize I tell some of the same stories over and over again, but that's one of my favorites. So, yeah. <laughs> Love it. And we are back. What do you think, folks? Yeah, man. Feel the good vibes. This is good. Good episode. Really like it. Really candid. Really laid back. Chill conversation. Really good perspective on, you know, kind of his story, what he's doing. I think he's really self-aware about the difference between fine art and graphic design. Really interesting, you know, how his career, you know, started and where, where he ended up. You know, like I said, I've really loved talking about nerdy stuff like, you know, email marketing and send rates and click-throughs and all that shit. And I think it's really cool. I think what we try to do here is have unscripted, honest conversations with people about who and what they are and what they do. And I think that 
you know, to have that, you know, the corporate grind. And it's, you know, it's a job he, he obviously he enjoys. But then to have that outlet with, uh, you know, Buttonwoods is really important. And I think it's really, it's really cool. And, you know, that's kind of just a nice transition because we are going to get into that shortly. And, uh, you know, talk about how he teamed up with them, how he works, his process, what they're doing, some of the, the style sheets and layouts they try to implement, you know, across different uh, beers and brands. And it's just, uh, yeah, I think you're, you know, if you're not enjoying this one already, then, you know, it's going to even get get better. But I think this is a really great example of how we can have opportunities to connect with people and really just uh, really enjoy the opportunity to talk with Frank, you know, learn about what he's doing. And it makes me have just kind of a, you know, a nice appreciation for his story and, you know, his his grind and uh, grind has a kind of, you know, because you think of grind as like two things of maybe different textures or materials rubbing together, you know, friction. But I think it's, you know, sometimes it can be used just as like a colloquialism, meaning work and, you know, your hustle. And, you know, I really think that uh, you can hear it. He's passionate about his music. He's passionate about what he's doing. And he's just, uh, you know, all around good people. So um, I think it's, uh, and I do love, you know, it's kind of a spoiler, but if you listen to this right now, you kind of uh, pick on that, just kind of the diversity of his music that listens to. I think it's really cool because that's, uh, I think that we have a pretty eclectic uh, playlist that we try to, you know, keep for our, our soundtrack of life. Real quick, uh, more plugs. Remember, December 14th, New Haven, Connecticut, Three Sheets. We'll be doing the opening of our The Art of Craft Beer, Connecticut edition. We'll be featuring over 10 different artists and designers that we've previously featured here on this 16-ounce canvas. You're not going to want to miss it. Look for a new website at theartofcraftbeer.com. In coming days, we'll be doing a, a video and all that great stuff for you, really getting the word out about you know, this great uh, opportunity that we have with, with the folks at Three Sheets to not only do the art in the back, but do art all over and take over all the walls in the, in the venue and really just use this as another opportunity to spread the good vibes, man. One good thing about music, right? But, uh, you know, get the word out and just continue to promote everyone here. We really just, that's what we like to do. Once, you know, once the, the mic's dropped and, you know, the phone's uh, hung up, I don't know, this is where this is going. But once we, you know, it's more than just the episodes we do. We're really just trying to build a community. We're doing it together. You know, 16ozcanvas.com, 16ozcanvas, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. And uh, use that hashtag, man. It's really it's really expanding, 16ozcanvas, tic-tac-toe, pound sign, whatever it is that you do. You know, keep doing it. That's how we meet some great people. And it's a really just a, a good opportunity to, to continue to support and really to show one of the, the most uh, unique things in craft beer, labels, art. You know, one of the things that, you know, Frank and the crew are doing is really trying to make these, like, miniature, miniature album covers. And hearing how important music is to him and everybody there, you can just really see that. That's one of the things that, you know, resonated. You know, we talked about that during our pre-interview, which didn't make the cut. And it was just really cool to, to hear them talk about that. And, you know, like I said, hearing his love of music, trying to find new bands and, Explore things that aren't necessarily the you know the, the mainstream, which is really cool. It's one of the the nods we get early on in our career with with music is that we always turn people on to, to new stuff, and so we like to keep that going, turn you on to new artists and designers, and please do us a solid wherever you're checking us out. Leave a quick review or ratings, and uh, tell a friend, share it, post it, retweet it. You know, there's probably something new that you can do today. I guess email it, text it. Whatever it is, we appreciate it. 
and we thank you. So with that said, let's get the good vibes rolling. Episode 135. Here's part two, Frank Gasper, Buttonwoods Brewery, 16-ounce canvas, and that's all you need to know. Feel good, man. Sit back and relax. So day job, grinding. How do you team up with, uh, with, with Buttonwoods? How, how, does that, how does that kind of uh, cross your timeline? Yeah, so um, Buttonwoods actually opened, um, I'll say almost almost like two years ago. So, luckily for us, I mean, where we live in the village, it was it was almost it's probably about a ten minute ride, fifteen minute ride. So it was, it was actually one of the closest breweries in our in our area. Um, checked it out and just just fell in love with the vibe. I mean, fell in love with the com- community that comes with that place. Um, and then Morgan, the owner, is just really awesome guy, down to earth, and just perfect guy to collaborate with and, and work with. So went there early as a total fan and customer and then kind of was like, Hey Morgan, uh, you know, if you, if you ever need any design work, I'd, you know, love to, uh, love to help you out. And, uh, he said, yeah, sure. Send me a portfolio. And then, uh, I want to say probably two weeks or a few weeks after that, he goes, uh, Hey, yeah, we're doing our first can run. So, uh, let's, let's talk. Right place, right time. I mean, I think it's a great yeah. example of just, you know, that's a lot of things, right? I think just being, you know, being in the right place at the right time, having confidence to just kind of ask for the work. You know, they always say like, you know, some, you know, you got to make sure that people know that what you're doing and then you can just tell from your voice, you know, that you really, you dig the vibe that they have and that you're, you know, that you're, you know, just excited to be a part of that, you know, be an extension of, of you know, what they're doing there. So it's, really, it's just really cool to kind of, uh, to see how that all came to be. Definitely. Yeah. I think that willingness, um, you know, like as a, as a fan is, is, I mean, it's huge for any designer. I mean, like, like I said, when I was in college and at this internship, I was like, you know what, let me, let me see if these guys are willing to hire. Hey, uh, love your company. Would love to uh, work for you. And what's the worst they could say? No. And luckily in my favor, they said, yes, same thing happened, but would. So I don't know if I'm lucky or it's, uh, just, uh, just, just trying to keep myself motivated with all these opportunities. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I, that's what I think. I think obviously the the willingness, right? You're an intern, so what do they have to lose? You know, I mm-hmm. think that you know if you go out there and go for it, I think it's important. Yeah, I think even even the bad jobs or when you fail, you know, I still think that you know you, you'd always been like, oh man, what what do, I could have done better than that, or if they if you hadn't said anything and a bunch of cans came out. You know, you could have you could have missed the opportunity, and that you know your your day job being you know having that corporate style sheet you have to follow. You know, without having this outlet, you know, who knows what could happen. So I think it's exactly, and I think it's good. I think it's a good testament, just kind of uh, putting yourself out there. You know, going for it. You know, we we get a lot of those you know stories. You know, different. You know, going for it in different ways. But you know, I think that it's cool that obviously you connected with them, and you know they were they were that probably put them at ease knowing that they had that. Um, somebody they connected with personally that would, that would also help, you know, bring their brand alive. Totally. I mean, and, and I mean, to that point, I mean, you know, strategies and, and methods that I've learned through my formal teaching, I, I was able to bring a lot of those, um, you know, strategies and methodologies to actually developing the system, um, for the can labels that we do, um, at Buttonwoods. So, well, well tell us about it. You can't just like tease that. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So I mean, so I mean, I like to focus a lot of my my my, my process on just design thinking. So, um, you know, just there there's a bunch of different ways that people kind of bucket it, but the way I kind of think about it is like defining 
um, defining your problem, researching, problem isn't the right word, defining your project, um, researching the actual design and, and like ideation of that, um, the development or the production, and then kind of like how you analyze the feedback. Um, so when we first started Buttonwoods, I mean, the, the major thing for Rhode Island is I wanted to stick out. Uh, I wanted something that kind of nobody in Rhode Island was doing. I mean, there's some fantastic illustrators um, in the state already, and there's there's no way to compete with any of that. I mean, and, and nor nor could I, nor would I feel comfortable kind of spitting out labels, you know, day to day with with a, a medium I'm not comfortable with. So took a look at all the cans in the state, um, realized that photography wasn't really being used. Um, so leaned kind of into the, uh, the photography route, um, knowing that Morgan was, is, is, is an amateur photographer. So, we, you know, we established this system um, where he could actually feature some of his artwork, um, some of his photographs um, for future labels. And then, um, yeah, essentially it's just, you know, actually designing those labels, outputting them, um, and then seeing how, um, how, the, how the Rhode Island community kind of reacts to um, the labels that are out there and essentially, you know, the face of um, the Buttonwoods product. Now, yeah, and if you look at the cans, folks, <coughs> excuse me, if you go to uh, buttonwoodsbrewery.com and then you go to uh, Buttonwoods Craft Brewing on uh, Instagram, you can see, you know, the top, I guess, top tier is uh, the logo, you know, and then that top kind of, uh, you know, quarter of the panel. And then you have the, the image and then the, the text is kind of, you know, different, different types and uh, layouts there. So what, you know, is there, because going back to the fact you have the corporate style sheets, you're probably very used to being, you know, keeping it consistent, but you probably, the freedom you have with these, you have some, you know, vertical, you know, layouts of the text, you know, is the, does the photo drive how the text and the layout goes or, you know, which chicken or the egg there? How, how do you, how do you, you know, work with that? Um, actually, actually it's, it's the, it's the beer name. So like some, some of Morgan's beer names are extremely long. So, I mean, when, when, when space allow, you know, if, for example, like object permanence was a really long one we had, um, and we, and we treated that more, um, on its side. Um, but the, the beer name is always, um, front and center. So almost, you know, so for Instagramable moments or for photos, the, the beer name is always captured with, um, Buttonwoods, and uh, it, it's kind of presented in that, in that fashion consistently. So, um, yeah, and then the, the beer type um, is underneath that once again, just to ground that um, ground that experience for for the user. In in terms of type, we actually use a lot of. I mean, Morgan's a big fan of uh, keeping things simple, so we use a lot of sans serifs. Which is, I mean, which is awesome because I, I love, I love sans serifs myself. Um, sometimes we'll stray from that, but uh, yeah, a, a lot of the type is kind of simple, clean. Um, yeah, he used a lot of white with the fonts, which is cool. You know, that pop out on top of his, his photography. Now, do you have access to his photos? Is it what's like? How are you two working? Does he? Do you have? You know, is there somewhere that he's posting his photos that you see them and then you pick them or? Based on the style of beer, you're kind of going for something with more color or more that maybe shows more flavor. You know, how's how are you guys working yes. together? So, so I'll get so I'll get um, Morgan gave me access to his production schedule. So I I basically see what's coming down the pipeline. 
Um, and then I'll kind of reach out to him and be like, Hey dude, um, did you have something in mind for this? You know, do we want to go kind of like altered stock photo or do we want to, you know, or is this an image that you actually have? Um, and then from, from there, it'll go to either two ways. Oh, my, you know, my brother has this photo that he, he that I wanted to showcase for this Cezanne. Um, or, you know, um, this is what I'm thinking conceptually. Can you do some research and kind of find photos that kind of fit the, fit the vibe I'm going for? But um, when, when Morgan does shoot them, um, he'll, he'll kind of have the composition in mind. Um, and then he'll send over the raw file and I'll just kind of do my uh, photo editing just to, just to make sure all the lighting and, and, you know, the, the contrast is enough for the type that goes on top of it. Okay. Now, um, what is the, like you said, you have access to the production schedule. So what is the, what's the time, what's the time frame like of these, you know, how, how much time do you have? Or, you know, are you, are you just checking that schedule, you know, what's coming down and, and start, start planning? How are, are you, uh, yeah, how, how is your, like so, your, your process? Yeah. So there's, so there's, so luckily we built this system. I mean, knowing again, like the corporate gig takes up a lot of time. So realistically, I either get to work on this, you know, after work, late nights or weekends. So in, in, in addition to going the photography route, the real reason, um, I wouldn't say a real reason, but an additional reason was to build a system that's like super flexible and agile. So for, so for times when I'm like, Oh shit, I, I need to get a label done in two days or, you know, or, or Morgan says, scratch this beer. We actually pulled an audible and we're going to actually can this beer instead. Um, I have enough time to react and kind of come up with concepts that still fit into the portfolio look for Buttonwoods. Um, so, so there'll be days where I go into the production schedule. I'm like, all right, let me bang out, you know, let me just spend the whole weekend kind of banging out like five of these. Um, there's some days where life just gets in the way and Morgan says, Hey, we're looking to release, you know, X beer, Y beer. Um, then we'll, we'll work, we'll, we'll work from there. Or again, if he, if he pulls an audible, then, then we're, then I kind of just sprint and we kind of deliver concepts and eventually land on one. Awesome. Now with your, your, your background, how was it preparing with like the printing? Was that, was that a, a hurdle you, you had to get over or were you used to working in packaging? You know, how was that experience for you? Uh, actually packaging was never something I, I had experience with. Um, like I said, college was a lot of print focus. And then when I got to the corporate gig, it was, it was, it was a lot of mixed media. So it was mainly digital, but I also did a lot of print work. So luckily that was, you know, that gave me enough foundation to prepare artwork and, you know, release files, making sure DPI is right, color modes, right. Um, contrasts, um, and, and, and stuff like that. So it, it wasn't, it wasn't, it wasn't too crazy. I was, I was more concerned about the printer's quality of the actual, you know, the actual uh, photo that we're featuring, but we haven't had any issues since. So yes, yeah, so you don't have any, there's no color limitations then because of the type of labels you guys are using. No, no color limitations. Oh, that's great. Now, yeah. recently you guys did one, which was kind of crazy in the shadow of the moon, which I guess under, under a black light, it were, it, or it kind of has a glow in the dark thing going on with it. Uh, how yeah, did that, so how did that, that come? how did that come about? So that's actually, so shout out to Shane. He's the um, assistant brewer there and uh, him, him and Morgan have this, uh, have series they're doing that they, it's basically a satirical non-lactose IPAs. Um, and, and Shane kind of 
creates the recipe um, and the artwork for the beer itself. So that those are actually Shane's labels, and I, I, I think they're awesome. I mean, he's always pushing uh, pushing the boundaries, and I think that that black light was actually was actually pretty phenomenal. Yeah, I was curious, as, like logistically, how that worked, but uh, but Shane, give me a call. We'll get you on in the future. But um, yeah, no, I think it's it's definitely interesting. I don't see that before, and I, I would I wouldn't know necessarily. It, it's not a natural thing that people would have their beer with a with a black light, but I think it's kind of you know it's a it's a cool thing. We we interviewed one of the guy before Matt Lunig, who did it for with DC Brow. I think they did it like four years ago. They did one. Um, it was a different different kind of theme in that one but I, I think it's i don't know people get really really creative and i, I just uh, admire that yeah i mean yeah my my style I, I i tend to limit a lot of like the varnishes and the and the um kind of effects and stuff like that so so i think shane's shane's designs kind of are are, are pretty funny because they they totally play into the satirical nature of the the you know the beer um and concept that they're kind of going for, for with this little series um but yeah, I think it's I think it's, I think it's just pushing the boundaries there. But uh, yeah, when I tend to do it, it's it, it's a lot of you know. Sometimes we'll do a foil, um, but a lot of times we'll just be you know just, just a straight mat. Yeah, and folks, again, go to uh, fgaspar.work. You can follow along, um, you know, and then you can also Frank Gaspar on uh, Instagram is the account. Um, it's a little more personal there, so I don't know if we should be giving that out, but. If you go there, you can see some of your labels, and it's really cool to see them there because they're really high res uh, versions of the work you did, and it really it really allows you to see the the details and then the the, the layout and uh, the fact that you know some of the, the textures, especially one, like with different frequencies and even the the Pilsner mixtape where we were talking about music before. So it's really uh, and they're laid on the in in the three can pan, which I think makes it you know just really shows you. Uh, it shows you the full kind of uh, full kit and caboodle there, for lack of a better term. I don't even know if that was a good use of that term, but it shows you the details, you know, details of them, which is really cool. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's 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 fun too because a lot of you know we have kind of sub themes with a lot of these beers too. So a lot of Morgan's lagers. Um, we we recently moved to a twelve ounce format, which has been, which is really really awesome really fucking up um, the show frank it's a 16 ounce canvas <laughs> long show Majority 16 some 12 no yeah that's all right um and and you know like the we always tend to go with a lot of like black and white and kind of like um almost like i don't know if outdated is the right word but like outdated technology so we'll, we'll have we had a typewriter for kolsch we had um you know cassette for the pilsner um, for the Hellas, we had like a kind of like an old school, you know, kind of camera. But um, you know, it's these it's these sub themes we're trying to create too. And then um, for our bottles as well, we actually feature um, local artists. So I'll you know I'll typeset, I'll I'll lay out the label itself, but we'll actually reach out to local artists and they'll kind of um, provide their artwork. So that that's what we tend to do with all the the bottled beer. So you gotta do of, you gotta do a rot- fun to, like, rotary phone. Stuff. Rotary phone, you gotta do a rotary phone. Yeah, well, we we actually did that for it was it was a cl- as a collab and it was actually a, a it was a smoke Hellas, which came out awesome. But uh, yeah, it was actually like a like a rotary phone in a, in a phone booth, so we were like nailed it. Oh, nice. Yeah, we were we were in London early in the year and there, we'd see, we had a couple, but they weren't really. I don't even think the phones were working. But they still keep them because of just that you know the big red kind of iconic 
you know, exactly. Doctor Who thing going. What are some other technologies that are obsolete now? Hmm. We're, we're thinking of like a floppy disk. Yeah. Oh, remember zip drives? Remember that? That was the biggest sham ever. Yeah, zip drives. What a rip zip off drives, that shit yeah, was. Yeah. <laughs> so, and, and then, and then, you know, and there are like limitations because we, we primarily use stock, you know, like I'll have to, you know, a lot of these stock sites we use will have literally, you know, just the most know, heinous picture of, for, you know, like, or old school picture of like a floppy disk, let's say. So we'll have to do a lot of hunting and kind of like photo manipulation and actually kind of make it look decent on the, on the printed can. Yeah. Or hit them up some, uh, some garage sales. You probably find some good ones. Yeah. There you go. So you're obviously a fan of the beer. What, what kind of beers are you drinking over there? You know, I also want to thank you and the, the brewery for inviting us to record this live there. You know, uh, Frank and I are talking in the middle of the night. Otherwise we would, uh, we definitely would take, take you guys up on that. Just, uh, the free time doesn't come as much, but I, I would, I would definitely will, uh, would look forward to, to doing that in the future. Just wanted to publicly thank oh, everybody yeah, at the brewery. That was, that was super cool. Yeah, of course. So yeah, what are you, what are you, what are you um, drinking? Yeah, what are you drinking? I mean, I'm, I mainly, I'm mainly an, an IPA guy. Like I, I started, you know, like I, I became a total fanboy with the new England style IPAs kind of followed that hunted them all down. Um, still enjoy them all the time. It's, you know, it's like my first craft beer love. Um, but recently because of the overproduction of new England style IPAs and the oversaturation, I've, I've been totally leaning into like the, the loggers and, uh, and, you know, Morgan has exposed me or exposed a lot of loggers. Um, and just different styles that, you know, before I only knew what a Pilsner was. And now he's spitting out, you know, like I said, smoked Hellas, Hellas lagers, um, and, 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 and all these beers I've never really had a chance to kind of really break down and understand. So I, I've been kind of in, in the mix again of like IPAs and lagers, try, trying to really understand and appreciate them. Good on Morgan. Yeah, I think it's it, it shows... I always find that uh, you know, folks, the brewer, you know, brewers always go to the you know the Pilsner, the Lagers, and the October, you know, all these other beers that aren't the the sexy styles, and so you can tell that you're around the the brewers a lot, that you're uh, you're you're going you're going down that path, which is which is good, you know, I mean, nice, I don't know, nice Pilsner is uh, is always always great. I'm doing Sober October, which is one, I'm almost finished, thank God. But uh, wow. like, yeah, it's pretty home stretch. Yeah, we're in the home stretch now, so it's. I'm, <laughs> I'm trying to decide if I uh, if the 31st on Halloween I have a beer or I get technical and have it on the first. I don't know, but it's not, it's not that bad. I do it. Every, I I usually do it in January. I try to do dryuary, but uh, you know this year my my company got acquired, and so there was there was no reason to uh, to be sober for the month of January. So we just tried to do no. it. We tried to do it for October. It's more like a. It's more like can I do it? You know, what, what's, you know, exactly. hit the gym a little harder. And so you see some results and I don't know, it doesn't, as you, you know, with, with the, the, the kids and the family, you know, the, the drinking like I used to is not there anymore. So it's not really that big a deal, but I, I have a few beers that I cannot wait to crush. So, so oh, talking, talking about it is not really helping the, helping the cause. <laughs> so, so I'm on your website, F, uh, you know, fgaspar.work. I have to ask you, Francesicon, what, what's what's the story with that? What's what, what is that? Right. I mean, I know All what right. it is, but how how what? Just explain to people what what that is, because yeah, I, this is actually this is actually a wild story. This was one of my first 
freelance projects that actually blew up without me thinking it blow up. So, so my buddy um, and his buddy, um, big New York sports radio fans. And in that area, Mike Francesa is, is the sports Pope. He's, he's God. Um, he's ridiculous. He's hilarious. I mean, I, I, I knew nothing about him and I grew up in North Jersey because I'm not a big sports guy. Um, but so my buddy was like, all right, well, there's SantaCon and there's all these different conferences. Um, people love imitating him. So why don't we make a Francesicon? So I was like, uh, all right, well, you know, I mean, like I'll help you with the logo and any kind of, you know, t-shirts or kind of stuff like that. I'm willing to help you out. I mean, any, any, any side projects fun. Um, create the logo which i mean nothing nothing crazy i mean there's honestly nothing nothing mind-blowing is it it more whimsical and fun than anything um and then the the first year it happened it it was it was insane there was i think five bars that in uh in new york city that kind of had lines around the door just to get in and kind of interact with with other people that are impersonating mike francesa um and as years went on, I mean, I think this went on for five years. I mean, they ended up selling out like uh, the Gramercy, Gramercy Theater, and Mike and the Mad Dog, which I guess you know it was his, it was his co-host at the time, actually had their reunion at one of the Francesicons. <laughs> so it was it was it was massive, and it just blew up like thousands of people um, just coming again to just impersonate this sports radio guy. That is wild, because yeah, I'm in the area and I don't listen to Mike Francesa. I mean, I don't listen to sports radio as much as I used to anyway. Uh, but he's yeah, Mike and the Mad Dog was like iconic. They're like this, right. and, and then uh, Mad Dog left him. He's on Sirius now, and he's like, he's like completely jacked up, like just not like physically, but he's just like a mile a minute. And then Mike Francesca, like if you look up Google him online, folks, if you don't not a sports person. And he's he's older now. But there's like videos of him like falling asleep, and it's like it's hilarious. It's hilarious. <laughs> and he has these he- like I wear headphones. I wear Beats when I do this, and they sit on top of my head. But he wears these headphones that are almost like a like a doctor would do, like checking your heart. They have like they're really thin, yeah. and they come down and they look like a like a strap to like a helmet. And so it just and he'll be in the middle of conversations or interviews, and he'll just nod off because he's like he's tried he's tried to retire a few times. Um, but they, they keep bringing him back and, uh, yeah, I just saw that and I was like, what, what is that? Like, that is just yeah, insane. It, it was, it was hilarious. And, and it just, you know, it, it kind of just blew up unexpectedly and, uh, and you know, I think mean, good for them. I mean, and, 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 you know, he, he loved it. He made appearances, I think to like three out of the five of them and he would, he would, you know, interact with all the, the, uh, the guests and everything like that. And like, you know, he'd actually, there's, there's actually some photos of him holding some of the merch I designed, which is actually just thought was hilarious. Um, well, yeah. uh, he's, he showed up. That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Him, him and, and they did a live show, I think a couple of times, which is pretty, uh, pretty wild for just, you know, two, two buddies just trying to, trying to basically make fun of this guy and love him at the same time. Do people get hammered? Like, what is like, what is the vibe there? It's just like, cause he's an old dude. Do people just get like God. drunk and just like laugh it up, or is it like what is it like? I don't know. I was thinking like yeah, you nailed I, it. I think like Lebowski Fest, but like I don't, I, I don't. Not no offense, Francis is no Lebowski, but I just like, yeah. I just think it's, I think it's hilarious. And I saw it on your website, and I was like, I gotta, I gotta ask about this one. What, like, what is that? 
yeah, people just get shit faced and, and impersonate him from one Francis impersonator to another. They still do it. I, I mean, there, there's there's videos. You, you have it's absolutely hilarious. Oh yeah, I did. I just googled while we were talking, and there's a few. Yeah. I've up already. <laughs> did they, does it still happen? It looks like the last one was like seventeen. Yeah, 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 that was the last one. Then those guys, you know, they kind of uh, took took opportunities, and my, my one buddy moved to uh, California, so it's on a temporary hold for now. Oh, we gotta bring that back. Bring that back. Yeah. All right, yeah, that's hilarious. So we we were talking before, and this is kind of one of our towards the end project uh, questions that we like to ask. But um, we talked about how important music was, and you know, we both connected on that. When you're creating, are you a music guy? What's the what's the vibe like over there, Frank? What what do you got going on? Hundred percent music. I mean, again, like based on based on what I'm going for, it, 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 it varies. I mean, actually one of my favorite things to do while I'm designing is I'll almost have like a radio, you know, like a radio shuffle of an artist that I, that I love and kind of like discovering new music as I'm, as I'm working. Um, so, so a lot of times I'll just, you know, I'll just throw on um, like a Spotify radio and just kind of let it go through similar artists and then kind of, discover all these underground bands and stuff like that so that's that's my primary outlet i mean if i'm super stressed with everything going on i'll throw on some reggae just again just to calm myself a little bit and not uh not not freak out over you know blast beats and breakdowns and drop e guitar riffs um so yeah primarily primarily metal and and, and hardcore though definitely Nice. Okay, give us some give us some bands. That's that's definitely not my uh, my sweet spot. So what do you what do you what are you listening to? So I, I um, knock knock loose is probably one of my go to bands at the moment right now. They're they're just this band from Kentucky just blowing up. I mean, headlining shows across the world. Um, so those guys just bring an insane live show. Um, Kubla Khan's another one I've, I've had on repeat. Gideon. Stick to your guns, um, you know some some of the older like metalcore stuff like August Burns Red, uh, Killswitch Engage is probably a big one. Um, As I Lay Dying, so just a bunch of you know just a just a bunch of different variation in that in that subgenre. So is that metal? What what is what is the subgenre? Because yeah, we interviewed someone recently. And they were ta- they're like they're very adamant about technical metal and so i just realized there's this whole subset okay. of stuff that i don't i fully don't grasp. Yeah, so, yeah so metal so metal core is like my i mean that's i mean that was like what i kind of listened to from like high school on so like metal core is like a you know super heavy almost like hardcore riffs but they're singing in it so it's like mixing those two realms of like you know heavy aggression with these like really melodic choruses and and uh it's just kind of the best of both worlds. All right, I dig on that. Yeah. And then, and then when you when you're going for your your reggae vibe, what do you what are you listening to? What do you got there? Yeah. So not so not so much the classics either. Again, like I I just have an infatuation of like find, trying to find like bands that um that I love. So like I don't listen to a lot of classic bands. But I mean, th- these are big in kind of the subgenre of reggae now. So like Stick Figures, I I, I love those guys. Um, Stick Figure. Uh, uh, Revelation, Fortunate Youth, a lot of like, I don't know if like the genre is called like Roots, I, Roots Rock or something. I, I have no idea. Reggae is just something I, I've just gotten into like the last couple of years. I, I never thought I would 
love it or appreciate it. And it's just in the summertime, it's, it's on all the time. Just brings a good vibes. Yeah. Oh yeah. And I think reggae. Yeah. Right. Reggae, especially, I mean, it's, it's, uh, getting a little chillier now, but yeah, I think it just it kind of, it sets a, it sets a good tone and I, uh, yeah, I'm definitely, uh, definitely a big fan. Yeah. All right. So, uh, what, what's next, Frank? What's, uh, what, what's, what are you, what are you working on now? Or what's the, what's the next, uh, you know, next project for you or, or do you have any bucket list projects you want to work on? You know, kind of, uh, leave us a little teaser for what's, for what's to come. Yeah. So, um, I mean, Morgan's actually getting ready for his second anniversary. So, um, we got some cool releases coming for that. Um, again, just constantly hustling on that. Got a bunch of labels, um, in the works. Um, I think, I think for the second year, I, I definitely want to try to tackle some more merch. Um, merch is a little bit tricky. We've, we found some tricky spots with Buttonwoods. I mean, it's, it's just such a simple brand. Um, and, and I, and I didn't work on the logo itself. So it's, it's kind of just really trying to find like a secondary logo or in a secondary kind of look and feel for a merch line. So that's something I definitely want to tackle in year two, just different um, outputs. Um, but yeah, I mean, other than that, it's just cranking away. Um, you know, maybe, maybe, maybe try some new um, printing techniques, varnishes in, in year two, um, just kind of get a little crazy with that. Um, exchange bring for that for sure and then uh yeah basically it all right man well i want to thank you frank for uh, again making the time to uh be a part of it i want to uh, you know thank everybody for at buttonwoods and uh look forward to coming up the road uh in the future and uh grabbing a few and uh you know thanking you in person so i just wanted to uh, again thank you for being a part of it and uh looking forward to seeing what's next uh year two it's yeah. pretty exciting yeah, thanks for uh, reaching out. It's 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 an honor to be on the show. I, I really appreciate it. All right. Well, there you there you have it, folks. What a perfect way to wrap up. Thanks again, Frank. And uh, yeah, you're if there's anything we can do to help promote you or the brewery, uh, don't hesitate to to reach out. Um, you know, it's uh, it's pretty simple. Uh, you know, just get in touch and we'll, we'll do what we can do. Cool. Thanks, AJ. I appreciate it. All right, I'll talk to you soon, Frank. Have a good night, buddy. I will right, we'll talk soon. Take care. All right, later. And there you have it, folks. No, I'm just kidding. I can't do that metal voice. You're listening to episode 130 fucking five. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. No, I'm just, I don't know. That sounds ridiculous. You're listening to episode 135. It is the essential. Frank Gasper, Buttonwoods Brewery, 16-ounce canvas. Well, you heard it here, folks. I think you love the... The mix of the music, it's like it's harder and harder. You mix in, you know, you're rolling up in the middle, chill out and get you through it. But it was a good episode. I really enjoyed talking to Frank. I like his story. I like his perspective. He loves what he does. He works really hard. You know, they're a brewery that's, you know, continuing to grow and, you know, the word's out there about them. So we're definitely going to go up there and uh, drink up and have a good time, hopefully in a couple weeks, like I said, maybe uh, Thanksgiving weekend. But it's just not, man, it is a great opportunity for us. And I can't, you know, I can't, I know I, know I say some of the same stories over and over again, and I you say some of the same nonsense. But every week, sometimes multiple times a week, depending on how schedules go, 
I get to sit down, get a cup of coffee, organize a phone call, sometimes with someone in the U.S., sometimes somebody abroad, and there's no eye contact, there's no video doing, not, you know, it's, you know, I'm not, sometimes maybe I'm not wearing pants, maybe they're not wearing pants, um, whatever, you know, but just like you're comfortable, maybe some sweats, you know, whatever, whatever's, I don't know what's going on in the, in the, in the scenario, and as I go down that rabbit hole, I, I'm trying to come back from it, but what I'm trying to say is just there's two people that are just talking, and I've gotten better with it, and I, I'm a, become a better listener. But I really enjoy that. I really enjoy the opportunity to take a moment in time and to celebrate somebody, celebrate their hard work, celebrate you know the bumps and bruises they've taken along the way, the decisions they're making, how they're coming to their creative process, to show to you whatever it is, whatever that thing is you want to do. You know, it might not right now be a full time gig. It might not be the opportunity, but. You know, don't give up on that. Don't give up on what you know. What makes you happy? You know, the idea of success and, and uh, you know what what pays. You know, you can look at fulfillment in numerous ways. It's not always in zeros, you know, ones and zeros in your check or you know what what would have you. It's really in your you know what makes you full as a person. And that cup can never run. You know, can overflow. You if you just keep filling it, and you'll be happy. And then you'll figure out ways, you know, you got to maybe work a, you know, maybe your, your job that pays the bills when you really look at it, you know, and this might be mind blowing for you. That might be your side hustle because that might really, that pays the bills, but that doesn't give you the fulfillment you need. So really just about perspective, you know, how you're looking at things, you know, this is my love. This is my passion. This 16 ounce canvas is my, you know, is my priority when it comes to stuff. Doesn't mean when I'm, when I'm at the nine to five, I'm not, you know, working just as hard. But when I come and do this, I am my boss. I am the creator. You know, I am the producer, editor, social media manager, web developer. And it doesn't feel like work. I wish there was more hours in the day for me to do that type of stuff. And so I hope that when you listen to folks like Frank who knew from early on that that's what they wanted to do, went to school for it, and continually hones their crafts, going to conferences, you know, going on YouTube to learn different techniques. It's really a part of the brand of Buttonwood, you know, Buttonwoods, excuse me. And it's just really a good opportunity for you to, to see that. So I think this is just a great episode. It's really something that you should, you know, doesn't these, you know, just honest conversations. It doesn't have to be anything flashy. You know, like I said, we went on some weird paths and that's what that was, you know, it was unscripted. We don't plan this. We don't, we don't force things. You know, sometimes it can be a little more difficult. Other times it can be really natural. And those are all what's part of the story. And so you'll all take something different away from each week. But what I will say is that we're doing something unique. There's nothing like this out there. And it's because of you. It's because of the artists. It's because of the designers. It's because of the breweries who are, you know, celebrating them. You know, the folks at Buttonwoods reached out and said, hey, we love what Frank's doing. Frank's a big part of what we're doing. We love to, you know, have him be a part of what you're doing. And I, I'm gonna, I'm not going to lie. I don't always say yes to that. I get that a lot. Or, you know, it was, I, I don't, it's not a, hey, I'm going to reach out. Like, like I am, I have artists that were, were, were booked for months, right? And it's pretty cool. So it's really exciting to have somebody love, you know, one of their colleagues and love somebody who's doing some work for them. And it's okay. It's okay to say you love somebody, right? It's beautiful. But 
this tirade is a ramble or however you want to look at it. It's just really, it's something we should, you know, you should celebrate, you know, or just do me a favor. If there's somebody in your life who does something really unique or special or that you appreciate, just tell them. It could be a family member. It could be a colleague. It could be a friend. It could be a loved one. Just say, hey, Joey, you're really great. You're really, you know, I really appreciate what you do. Or, you know, thank you so much for, you know, for helping out. Or, you know, I really, really appreciate what you, what you did today. Just, you know, go out of your way to tell somebody something nice and put it out there. You don't, you're not getting anything back from it. You know, they might awkwardly look at you and not know what to do. But thank a colleague, you know, somebody at the brewery, someone, you know, the taproom manager, somebody, you know, you know, the janitorial staff who's making sure everything is clean and sanitized, you know. There's all these different pieces, all all these kind of things, that, as I said before, don't show up on the score sheet, but are just as important. Those people are extremely important, and they work as hard sometimes, if not harder, than you know, than they get recognition for. Say thank you. Hold the door for somebody. Say please. If you see someone at a store and they have a name tag on, just, you know, thanks, Denny. You know, thanks, Bobby. Oh, I appreciate you, Denise. Have a nice day. They're wearing the name tag for a reason. All right. So that is my lecture. Fun facts for the day. Episode 135 is officially in the books. Frank Gasper, Rhode Island's first, right here on the 16-ounce canvas. And we thank you. And we thank you. We thank you. You're cool. And we're out. In the original version of that, where he says, instead of thank you, it's fuck you, but this is a family program. We, never, we would never do that scene from Half-Baked where he goes, fuck you, fuck you, you're cool, I'm out. So we would never do that. Just just let you know. Hmm. Maybe we just did. <laughs>